right. All right, and all God's people say it. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter number 3. Romans chapter number 3. I want to I want to just kind of tag where we left off Sunday. And uh, and continue that 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 thought process. Uh uh, we're going to do a Bible study this morning. This is probably going to be more teaching than preaching, and that's fine. Uh, but I want to, I want to, I wanted to develop God's people in, in maturity. The Bible says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge." There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have a surface knowledge of the Bible, and when it comes to depth and when it comes to meat, uh, they're just they're just not there. And, and because of that, the devil is beating the tar out of them. And uh, so I want to I wanna move from milk to meat. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Romans chapter number three. We'll just read a couple verses. And, uh, and, and while you're turning, while you're turning, I want to answer a couple questions. I want to answer a couple questions. In Job 9, in Job 9, Job said, how can a man be right with God? How can a man be right with God? How can a man who is, who, is, who is sinful, how can a man who has imperfections, how can a man who has issues and problems, and a man that is so sinful, how can he be right with a God who is so holy? A God who is higher than the high, who is, who is greater than the great, a God who is so holy and so righteous and so pure and so just. How can he have fellowship? How can a, a wicked man... Be right with God. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, you need to get right with? How many of y'all heard that? You ask somebody on their deathbed, are you right with? What does that even mean? What does that, what does that mean? It means different things to different people. You ask one person, uh, are you right with God? You need to get right with God. What that means in their mind is, is you need to start going to church. And if you're going to church, they think everybody that's in this building right now is right with God. Huh. How many of y'all know that ain't the case? What does it mean to be right with God? So, so I want to answer that. How can a man, and when I say man, I'm talking about mankind, man or woman. How, how can we be right with a holy God? And not only that, but I want to answer the question. I want to answer the question. How is God just? If he doesn't punish us. In Exodus, the Bible says in Exodus 34, it says every sin will be accounted for. Every single sin. God will not allow any sin to go unpunished. So if he forgives us, he does not punish us. He does not get what's coming to us. How can he be righteous? And how can he be just? How can he be holy? Those are the two questions we want to answer today. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass is in their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. 
There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, in other words, doing good and, and obeying the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. There's a key word that we're going to learn in a few moments, justified. You'll not be justified by being good. You'll not be justified by living right. You'll not be justified by following the commandments. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, where there is no difference. And the difference there he's referring to is the Jew and Gentile. There's no difference. He's done concluded from chapter 1 to chapter 3, we're all sinners. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sin and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. I want to read verse 26. Let's read it all together. To declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to stand in your, your house and in front of your people and share your word. Now, Lord, you know, you know what time I've spent in this and you know uh, uh, how this could be difficult and this could be confusing. Please let me be crystal clear in my teaching. Help me to, to, to teach in a way that it is clearly understood from all those that are listening. I pray that your perfect will be done. I love you. I love you with all of my heart. And I pray that you will please anoint this place and all those watching by way of the internet. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How can a man be right with God? Mike, are we good with this mic? We're good. Okay. How can a man be right with God? You hear that all the time. If there's any, if there's any question that we need to answer, it, it's, it's Job's question. That's a, that's a million dollar question. I, that is a question that you need to know, you need to understand, and you need to be able to have an answer to. Before you leave this world, you better be right with God. Amen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. So how is a man right with God? How, how can we... How can we explain this and understand this in such a way where it makes sense to everybody. I, I, I want to do this. A lot of times I, I'll set the outline up like this. I, I will have point one, point two, point three that are basically statements, okay? They're basically statements that will lead up to the message in the last point. And that's kind of what it's going to be like today. In order to, in, in order to get all the goodie out of the last point, and that's really the message, you got to understand what leads up to that. So if that makes sense, say amen. amen. So here's the statements. Here's what I want you to understand. God has declared without question in Exodus 34 where I read that every sin will be dealt with. 
Every sin will be held accountable. Every single transgression, every single iniquity, every single one. There will not be one sin go unpunished. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But on the other hand, on the other hand, God says, your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. I will blot out thy transgressions. Are y'all with me? Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come unto me, all ye. Listen, if you are a sinner, he says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And listen, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, that don't make sense. How is he going to do that? How is he going going to overlook sin? How is he going to forbear his judgment? That's the word that's used here. Forbear his judgment. Hold back judging sinners and still be right. Because because he said the wages of sin is? So how will he be a just God if he doesn't punish sinners? How is that possible? Well, let's see. Let's see, number one, if you're taking notes, here's, here's what you need to do. You remember Romans one, or excuse me, Roman numeral one, two, and three are statements to help you understand the message in four. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, a man. How can a man be right with God? How, 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 where, where, what kind of condition are we in? So number one, this is what I, I wrote down. I, I, I promise you guys, I promise you guys, I spent... I spent a lot of hours in this message, and, 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 and I, I, I know this is going to look so simple. I know this is going to look so elementary, and it's going to look like I just threw it together, but I promise you this. I spent a lot of time to make it look elementary. So I, I, I want you to understand that. Are y'all with me? It's one thing for me to get it and me to understand it, but I need to be able to help you understand it. Amen. So, so, so please pray for me in this deal. I, I, I want to make this as simple as possible. So number one, number one, if you're taking notes, it's kind of a long point. But here's the truth. God requires righteousness to meet his standard. God requires righteousness to meet his standard. How many of y'all have ever been to, uh, how many of y'all have ever been to, uh, 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 what's that place over there in Atlanta? Uh, roller coaster place. <clears throat> Six Flags. There you go. How many of y'all, uh, uh, I, I'm not for them places, I'm telling you. I don't understand paying somebody to scare you. I, d- I don't get that. I don't need that. I got enough problems in my life, amen? And I'm not going to wait two hours in a line to pay somebody to scare me. Say amen right there. But how many of y'all been to these things and you go up to the line and you go up to the roller coaster or whatever that is and it says you must be this to ride this ride? Well, do you know what? God's got a sign too. God's got a sign too. You must be right here to get in. And that right there is holy, righteousness, and here's the thing. Let's just use the word so it makes sense. Perfection. You have to be perfect. You cannot be a transgressor of the law because the moment you have one single sin in your life, you have become a lawbreaker and you are guilty of sin and now you are unrighteous. God requires righteousness. 
God requires righteousness. Say that with me. God requires righteousness. That is his standard. His standard is holiness. His standard is perfection. His standard is righteousness. Okay? You cannot get in if you're not righteous. You say, how do you know that? Let me read you a verse. Let me read you a verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Look what it says. Know ye not that the shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There it is. It's as simple as that. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Not only that, but Romans 1.18. Watch what it says. We learned this last week. This was the main theme of last week's sermon. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, how much of it? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. What does that mean? God's wrath is going to come on the unrighteous. And righteousness is his requirement. It is God's standard. God put the sign up. God's the one made the decision. In order to be right with him, you have to be righteous. Are we we together? In order to be right with God, you have to be righteous. There will be no unrighteousness in glory. Say amen. Amen. Well, number two. Number two. So far we understand his standard. We understand his requirement. Well, what's the problem, preacher? Number two. Man is unrighteous and falls short of God's standard. Oh boy. If God's standard is righteousness, if God's requirement is righteousness... Then the Bible says, the Bible says back in in Romans 3, as it is written, verse 10, as it is written, there is none, no, not. Look in verse 23. Look in verse 23. For all have sinned and come. All right, you had to be this tall to ride this ride. But everybody comes God's requirement is righteousness. But Romans 3 says there is none, no, not one. Why? For all have sinned and come of the glory of God. So far, this looks bad. This looks bad. If God's requirement is holiness, if God's requirement is righteousness, and none of us are righteous... How are we going to be right with him? Well, number three. Number three. This, I'm going to bust some bubbles right here. No problem, preacher. He sent us the law. He sent us rules to follow. He sent us rules to follow. That's what, that's what it's in the mind of people. If I'm good... If I make it to, if I, I'm at the pearly gates and God says, why should I let you in? You think that if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you're in. If I just, if I just follow all the rules the best that I can. See, this was the problem. This was the problem that the Jews had. Uh, it was in Judaism. That's who Paul is dealing with here because they truly believed if they followed the law and they followed Judaism, they're in. And he said, let me tell you about that law. Let me tell you about that list of rules that you're following. Let me tell you about that set of requirements that you have and you've made up. 
the ones you've made up and added to the ones God had. Look what it says. Look what it says. Back in, in, in chapter 3. Come on, I'm just staying right with the chapter. Now we know, verse 19. <clears throat> now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law. Watch this. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Why? Because there's the purpose of the law. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What's number three? Here's the third statement. The law cannot fix the problem. Only reveal it. I cannot help it. I don't know if God has a sense of humor or what. I, I don't know. But I'm here in my office, and I mean, I have studied for hours and hours and hours and hours. How many of y'all know that the Bible says that much study is a weariness of the flesh? And I don't know whether God thought that I needed a little humor and a little levity to lighten the mood in my office because, it, I mean, I'm in death and destruction and judgment and the wrath of God and no one's righteous, no, not one. And, and I started thinking about this, those two verses. And I started thinking about a commercial, <clears throat> An insurance commercial, or excuse me, a, a, a privacy commercial on your, uh, your information. How many of y'all have seen that commercial where that dentist has this guy in this chair and he says, that's the worst cavity I have ever seen in my life. And he says, all right, have a good day. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember that commercial? He said, aren't you going to fix it? He says, no, I'm a monitor. I just tell you, you have a cavity. I don't fix it. You know what the law is? The law cannot fix your sin. It can only tell you you are a sinner. It is exactly, it is exactly what that dentist was in that commercial. God never sent the law to fix you. Because it, the law cannot fix you. The law was here to show you, you that you're guilty. By the de- In other words, by the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. It is by the law that we have the knowledge of sin. In its other words, God sent the law to be a monitor to tell you, hey, you got a problem. How do you know? Nobody can keep it. The law is here to show us we're lawbreakers. So how do you know? You broke it. Matter of fact, you broke it several times in your lifetime. And you, how many of y'all found out as hard as you try to keep it, it still hasn't fixed you? Why don't we have a new law? There's speeding. Let's have a law that says thou shalt not speed. Yeah, that solved it. Let me see. Let's do a survey. Let's do a survey. Don't lie. You're in the house of God. You'll get indigestion and your tire will be flat when you go to the parking lot if you lie right now. How many of y'all have ever had a speeding ticket? (gasps) You mean to tell me that law didn't stop you? It did not fix you? You know what it did? It just showed this church is full of lawbreakers. Right? Say, so why are you going into such detail with this? Because I want to I mess up some of your theology. Because this is, this is not 
This is not just important so you'll know what all happened at Calvary. There are some people that have a, a flawed theology and it will cause problems. And one problem is this. There are people that believe you can lose your salvation. Now, what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? It has everything to do with what I'm talking about. Because you somehow believe that if you do bad, you're going to lose it. But here's the problem. You didn't do good to get it. Because you can't do good to get it. No matter how good you are, you can't get it. I'll prove it. What is required? What is required? What is God's standard? What is required? What's that R word? Come on, everybody. Righteousness, right? Watch what the Bible says. Watch what the Bible says. Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy In other words, your best attempt at righteousness still falls In God's eyes, He is so holy, He is so pure, He is so righteousness, your effort at righteousness still falls We got a problem. Paul even said it this way. Paul even said it this way. He says in Romans chapter number 10, verse 1, he says, I want to preach to my brethren. He says, I'm testifying the fact, this is what I've witnessed in them, that they have a zeal. They have a zeal of God. In other words, they are very zealous. They are very religious. But he says, not according to knowledge. He said, they're ignorant. He says, they're going about to establish their own, what's that word, our word? Righteousness, but they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You know what a man will do? You know what a man will do? He'll do everything he can to be right with God, so he'll start doing his own thing. Do you know every saint? Now, stay with me, guys. Stay with me. I'm not running a rabbit. I promise you, I'm setting the table for this last point. Every single religion in the world, every single religion in the world besides Christianity is man's attempt to establish their own righteousness. Even atheism. You, you say, preacher, but atheism, that's not a religion. Yes, it is. It is a system of belief. It is a system of belief. And they have to say there is no God because if there is a God, then they are accountable to that God. So they are going about to establish their own rule, their own morality, their own sense of, what's the R word? Because if there is a God, then he gets to make the rules. If there is a God, then I got to do what he wants me to do. But since I am wicked and I am sinful, I want to make up my own rules. I want to make up my own way of living. I want to make up my own, what's the word? But the problem with that, the very best righteousness we can come up with is still falling. Because there is none No, not 
And God is going to punish the unrighteous. So far, so gloomy. But I got good news. Number four. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is great. <clears throat> let's, let's go over one, two, and three before we jump in number four. Know ye not that the uh, unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So this tells us God requires righteousness to meet his. Got to be this tall. Problem is, number two, man is unrighteous and falls short of God's standard. Uh, you have to be this tall, but there is an unrighteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the requirement. We're in a mess, amen. And the thing that people try to use to fix the problem, religion, set of rules, the commandments. Y'all with me? See how this is working? The thing that mankind tries to use to fix the problem, we think if we can just follow the rules good, if we can be better than someone else, if we can just change our life or turn over a new leaf, if we can follow a list of commands, then that's going to fix it. Well, we find out that we're in a mess because that don't fix anything. It's just a monitor. It doesn't fix the cavity. It just tells us it's the worst he's ever seen. And you know what the law does? It doesn't fix our problem. It does not justify us. By the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. All the law does is tell me how sorry of a sinner I really am. Are y'all with me? <laughs> Number four. <clears throat> now we're going to hunker down. Man has no righteousness of his own. Say that with me. Man has no all right, but yet God is going to punish all unrighteousness, right? So what did God do? Number four, God provided his own righteousness. Let me say it again. God provided his own righteousness. Now in just a minute, you're going to see how that pertains to eternal security. <laughs> this verse, this verse, I woke up and I woke up. I'm talking about in the middle of the night. God had this verse in my head and I woke up to this this week. That he might be just and a justifier. That he might be just and the justifier. Now let's look. Let's tag on and we're going to we're going to preach right here. Out of these next few verses, verse 21, <clears throat> verse 21. Now stay with me, guys, stay with me. But now the righteousness of God, not of man, because we know man is unrighteous. Come on, man is. But the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all them, upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Being, come on everybody, get with me. Being, being, freely by His grace to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, 
to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to get. <clears throat> here's what I want you to get. I'm going to take two words out of this, these couple verses and, and, and explain these two words. One word is justified. And the other word is propitiation. Justified. There were so many things. There were so many things that was happening at Calvary. It was not just a ticket for you to get into heaven. There are so many immature believers who have this understanding or this, this knowledge that, that basically Calvary was just so I could escape hell and make it to heaven. But there was a lot of things going on at Calvary that people have no clue about that you need to have a clue about to help you appreciate what really took place at Calvary. you got to understand something. Jesus did not just die for you. He died for God. And I'll show you that here in just a minute. But let's look at this, justified. What does justified mean? When I came to Christ and I knelt before the cross and I repented of my sin and I came broken and with, with conviction in my heart and I said, God, forgive me of my sin. I pray that you will take me and receive me. At that moment of my faith and my belief, he justified me. He justified me. What does that mean? What does justification mean? Watch this now. Justification is the act of God declaring. Say that word with me. Say it again. Declaring righteous the person who puts the faith in Christ. It is a legal act of God. Get that. It is a legal act of God whereby he declares the believer to be righteous on the basis of the blood of Christ. Through justification, God maintains his integrity and his standard that his holiness requires, yet is able to enter into fellowship with sinners because they now have the righteousness of Christ given to them. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, Brother brother Dole, you you come with me. Come here, young man. Both of y'all. Come here. Come here. <clears throat> All right. All right. <clears throat> All right. We'll, we'll, make you, we'll, we'll make you Jesus. All right? All right? With a hairdo like that, he's got to be the Lord. Say, come on. <laughs> All right. We'll make you the sinner. <clears throat> Does that fit? Okay. I guess. All right. All right. Now, Mr. Sinner can't do right. He is un- he's unrighteous. The best he can do. He can, he, can, he can live right, talk right, dress right, spit white, and still not be right with God. Because the best he can do is still un... Because you got to reach God's standard. And God's standard, God's standard is perfection. Jesus came and he lived 33 years. 33 years. Perfectly fulfilled all the law, never sinned one single time, completely fulfilled righteousness and died on a cross, died on a cross to fulfill righteousness. Now, even though the sinner is unrighteous and no matter what he does, he cannot be righteous on his own because all of 
his righteousness that he has created and tried his best to accomplish is still un. So God, he intervenes. And when, when the sinner comes to God in repentance, God declares him righteous. And he gives him the... No, stay right there, stay right there. He gives him the righteousness of his son. The sinner didn't earn it. He didn't work for it. He didn't do good to get it. God declared him righteous. Just as a judge will look on a criminal and declare him pardon, God declared the sinner righteous. But not in his righteousness but in the righteousness of God. You cannot get into heaven with your righteousness. It requires the righteousness of God. When God seen that you cannot attain righteousness on your own, He just gave you His. Are y'all with me? He loves the sinner. And He provided a way So that he could have the righteousness of So the moment of salvation, he's justified. I'm not perfect, but I'm declared. You may not think I'm something, but a holy God in heaven has declared me to be. It's not mine. It's his. It's good. I know it's good. <laughs> it's fixing to be better. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But God's righteous. And God's holy. And God's perfect. How, how can he maintain his integrity? How can he maintain his righteousness and his holiness? If he just declares someone who is wicked and a sinner and a lawbreaker. Put it this way. Put it this way. What would you think of a judge who everybody knows the criminal's guilty. Everybody knows he's guilty of sin. And the judge says, you're pardoned. What would you think about the judge? Well, he's unjust. We demand justice, right? So how can he still be just? How can he still be righteous? How can he still be holy if he doesn't punish the sinner? Y'all with me? The second word, propitiation. Stay put, stay put, guys, stay put. Let me give you the definition of propitiation. Propitiation means that the death of Christ fully satisfied all the righteous demands of a holy God toward the sinner. Because God is holy and righteous, He cannot overlook sin. So through the work of Jesus on the cross, God is fully satisfied that His righteous standard has been met. Are y'all with me? Let me give you three things right here. Because God is holy, His wrath is directed towards sin and must be appeased to spare man from eternal destruction. 
In other words, the wrath of God is connected to the holiness of God and the justice of God. Number two, God provides the remedy by providing Christ as a satisfaction for sin. Number three, Christ's death appeases the wrath of God. The death of Christ satisfied the holiness of God and averted His wrath. 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. What does that mean? What does that mean? God took Jesus and spared Him not because sin must be paid for. So He became the propitiation, the satisfaction for the requirement of sin. He didn't do it. God gave it to Him. He justified Him because of the sacrifice of His Son. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. Give him a hand, guys. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. I'm not through. I'm not through. Listen, listen, listen. Something happened at the cross. Something happened at the cross. How could God be just? How could God be righteous? Watch this. Let me explain this verse. And this, this, this will just, just touch your heart. Look what it says. Verse 25. Excuse me. Verse 24. <clears throat> Verse 24, being, come on everybody, being justified. justified. And how many of y'all remember what that meant? Declared. It means declared. God said, you're righteous. He just declares you righteous, all right? Freely by the grace of God through the redemption that is in Christ. Watch this now, verse 25 and 26. What did God do at Calvary? God set forth to be a propitiation, this is Jesus, through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness. Whose righteousness? God the Father. In other words, when he put Jesus on the cross at Calvary, he was declaring his own righteousness. And I know what you're thinking. What? What does that mean? Watch. Watch. He put him there to declare his righteousness. Righteousness for what? For the remission of sins that are past. For remission of sins that are past. In other words, all the sins he didn't judge. The sin of Adam, the sin of David, the sin of Saul, the sin of Solomon, the sin of Samson. Why? When he, when it, listen, if the wages of sin is death, then the moment they sin, boom, God should have killed them. Mo- I'm, the moment they sin, God should have punished them. So how is God righteous? How is God still just if he forgave Adam, if he forgave Abraham, if he forgave Jonah when he disobeyed, if he gave, forgave Noah when he got drunk, if he forgave David when he committed adultery, if he forgave Solomon when he committed idolatry, how could God still be just after overlooking all of those sins up until this point? <laughs> Look what it says. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The word forbear is God postponed his wrath. And when he put Jesus on the cross, he was showing that he was still just. That he was just 
and the justifier that He was still holy. He was still wrath. And every sin of all of mankind from the very first sin of Adam to the very last sin of the last sinner that ever breathed air on this earth, every single one of those sins, every single one of those transgressions, every single one of those iniquities was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in three hours of darkness, God judged and punished those sins so he could stand and say I am still just I am still righteous even though I forgave a sinner even though I forgave an adulterer even though I forgave a murderer even though I forgave a sinner a wretched idolater I am still holy and righteous because I punished that sin on Christ so because of Calvary Calvary says that God is still holy, He is still righteous, He is still just, He maintained His integrity as a holy God, yet He now has the ability to justify you and maintain His holiness. Are you getting this? How can a man be right with God? How could a wretched sinner, wicked sinner be right with a holy God? It is because of Calvary. It's because of Calvary. God knows you have no righteousness of your own. So He gave you His. If you can't be good enough to earn it, you can't be bad enough to lose it. Because it's not yours to lose. Can we give Him praise and glory? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today, I pray, I pray, Lord, that You will touch our hearts, help us to have a, a fresh,